In today's episode, we'll chat with an e-commerce expert about her journey from just about no money at all in the bank, all the way to over a million dollars in revenue in less than a year and a half. If you were ever wondering what it really takes to make this happen, along with the most important pitfalls to watch out for, you definitely don't want to miss this one. So don't change that dial or drop that phone. We're about to level it up and shatter the mold. Question. In a world where groupthink is the norm, others want what you've earned, and thinking for yourself will get a target painted on your back, how do you flip the script and level up your business, your money, relationships, your health, your status, and your life? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold. Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Shatter the Mold. Andrew S. Kaplan here. Really excited for today's episode and today's interview. We've got Chris Sugaton here for today's discussion. And as you can tell by the headline, we're talking about her journey from zero to one million in only 16 months. And as you can probably suspect, that brings a lot of celebrations with it, but it also brings a lot of hurdles, a lot of challenges, a lot of obstacles, a lot of learning opportunities. And we're going to dive into all of it. So we're not wasting any more time here. We're just going to dive on in. I'm going to switch mics right now. And here's me and Chris. Today's guest went from having 300 bucks to her name to hitting over a million dollars in revenue for her agency in only 16 months. She's obviously learned a shitload of lessons in the process and she's got the battle scars to prove it. Her e-commerce firm is a self-described group of storytellers, data nerds, and masters of their craft that 10X other e-commerce brands who are ready to expand themselves. I know I can't wait to pick her brain for about a few things. And so without further ado, Shatter the Mold warmly welcomes e-commerce expert, Chris Sugaton. Chris, hey. thank you so much for being here. Thanks so much for having me. What an intro. Wow. Yeah. Hey, nothing, <laughs> nothing but the best on Shattered the Mole. That's all I can say. Yay. <laughs> um, and, you know, full disclosure, I mean, I've, I've, I met you once. We've known each other, um, for, I guess, for a couple months through that. I think it was probably back, was it in March? It's, it's all such a blur, but I think we probably met in March. And, um, yeah, like I remember even from that first conversation, like, oh, I'm friend requesting this person because I always like being around people that are on a track and, and really care about where they're going. And that was the impression that I really got from you from from Jump. And, yeah. um, you know, it's, you know, I, I say, you know, this is Chris Sugaton here. And it's funny because your company is named after your, your last name, right? Yeah. And um, in preparation, even though we, we knew each other, you wisely sent me this very funny video clip of how to pronounce it. Because, you know, you never know if someone's going to, based on the spelling, going to mispronounce. And given the fact that you went so far in only 16 months, one thing that I was just curious about is, I'm curious of your opinion. Your name, do you think it hurts your marketing that you have to say it? Or is it actually help you? Because when people see that funny video, which I might want to share with people, um, it actually uh, pumps up your image and makes people understand how in tune you are with things. That's such an interesting question because I decided to name the agency uh, Sugatan and the video, just for context, is the entire team doing their own version of a ninja kick. Because <laughs> growing up, um, there were a lot of, uh, my real name is Maria Christina. And okay. growing up in LA, there were a lot of Marias in my classes. And so people would actually go by my last name. So they would call me Sugatan. Then it evolved to like everybody just having their own version of like a ninja kick for Sugatan. And mm -hmm. it peaked 
to when I was working a customer service job where we were all in one room and there were about nine of us in like this cubicle format working very in close proximity. And every time I would walk in, which I was always late, infamously always late. This is why I could not hold a normal job. But I would walk in and everybody would literally kick their feet in the air and go, <laughs> including the sexy secretary who is exactly how you envisioned it to be. Oh, you know, great. <laughs> she in her like six inch heels, she would just like kick up in the air in her pencil skirt. And um, and so that's really where where it came from. Like I felt like naturally people gravitated towards the name and it was really fun and when we first started last year, I had everybody do their own Sugaton version. And it's the only way that after, after you hear it, you just, it just doesn't leave you, especially if you have like a kick to it. Yes. So. I, I feel like you, you're a sitcom waiting to happen and there's just plenty of material just like waiting there for you. Right. <laughs> yeah. um, so you said something interesting. Well, you said a lot of interesting things in that response, but the thing that kind of poked out to my brain is you talked about a customer service job and you talked about difficulty uh, holding a quote unquote normal job. And in the bio that I didn't include in, in my wonderful preparation for you, um, you waitressed for seven years. And if I remember correctly, um, you start your company with no connections, no college education, estranged from your parents. And mm -hmm. You know, this, let's just call it what it is. This is not an easy thing to do, especially in 16 months to go, let's say 300 bucks, but it's really zilch. I mean, $300 is practically nothing to go to $1.1 million in revenue. And what I want to ask you, because I'm sure people are dying to know is if you could narrow it down, what clicked, what changed that this was possible all of a sudden? Because obviously it happens, but this isn't an overnight automatic instant thing. How can you identify or um, articulate what happened or, or what made the difference? Oh my gosh. I think maybe three or four years into being a waitress, I was like, I need to get out. And I had created these elaborate six month plans that were like my exit plan. And bear in mind, my story is no different from many other people out there, which was I had accumulated these bills that built a self trap, right? My rent was, you know, I was just barely getting by and I had to work 60 hours a week just to make sure that not only I was able to pay my bills, but I had just enough to indulge in getting my nails done or eating out once in a while or going out for drinks with friends. And, um, and, and so I would be like, gosh, I need out. There were a couple key things that I did that inched me towards what, where I am now. And I'll define it and narrow it down to two things. I had the biggest overhead. Um, and it, growing up in Los Angeles, you need a car. And my two biggest overhead was rent and my car payment. My car payment was like 530 bucks. And then my insurance on top of that, because I was such a great driver, was about 200. So <laughs> per month. So my monthly payment was about 732 bucks. And I actually um, knew, uh, you know, when I got so desperate, I knew that I had to alleviate these two things was the first thing. You know, if I could have an extra $732 per month, what could I do with that? And I actually let my car get repoed. 
And it was such a big step for me because I was always on time with everything. And to do anything that affected my credit to me meant that I was like the worst citizen ever and that everybody would judge me very negatively. So I actually let my car go. And then I, I, I told everybody that I sold it. So I was so ashamed. But once I made that first major step that I was really scared about doing, but I knew was the first necessary step that I can then reallocate that $732 to like, you know, like whatever, like, I don't even know, right? Like e-course or something like that. Um, then I felt like, I felt like it would just give me a little bit more freedom from the trap that I had sort of self-created. And that was the first major step. Um, the second major step was I'm a very intellectual person and I used logic to justify everything. Um, I actually started listening to Abraham Hicks and Abraham Hicks is the spiritual missing piece in the law of attraction. Um, and, uh, you know, everybody knows now what the law of attraction is, but Abraham Hicks gives you the spiritual side of what I feel like is not mainstream in the principles of the law of attraction that are out there, especially with the movie, The Secret. And I, uh, she's all over YouTube. And one of the key things that I got from her was, listen to your emotions. And I was like, that is the least reliable advice. <laughs> like <laughs> tomorrow I could be grumpy and the next day I could be sad and the next day I could be happy. Um, but she basically was um, correlating emotion with intuition. Mm -hmm. And um, prior to that, I was talking, I knew I had wanted to build my own business and I had a friend whose dad, you know, ran, I don't know, like a successful construction company. And I asked him, I said, what is the secret to business? And, you know, he's like, I can give you the template, but there's the one secret piece and the missing sauce that nobody can teach you. And that is really by following your intuition. Mm -hmm. And, and I heard this again from Abraham Hicks. And she said two things, follow your intuition, follow your, what excites you and your emotion. Prior to that, I had created these logical plans that were really elaborate. That was like my exit strategy. For example, I'd be like, I'm gonna learn web design and I'm gonna self-teach myself code and I'm gonna do it in three months. And then in the fourth month, I'm gonna submit my resumes everywhere. And this is, you know, so I had like this logical strategy. Um, and, um, and, and then when I heard about Abraham Hicks, I, you know, use my emotions, use my intuition, and it'll naturally guide you to where you need to be. Um, right around that time, my intuition was actually screaming at me to go to, on Upwork. Mm. And I remember thinking Upwork is just like, you know, Elance from back in the day. And it's just like super unreliable. You'll just get crappy jobs. Um, but I knew that I had to change something and I was willing to apply anything. And so I went back to the intuition thing. I was like, you know, maybe I should just listen to my intuition because literally my intuition was screaming, go on Upwork. And I created a profile on Upwork and I started out as a VA earning $18 an hour. And I got two gigs, which were from two solo solopreneurs. And that's, uh, that's essentially where I got my start. Um, and through those two women who were trying to build online businesses, 
I got to experiment with social media marketing. I got to experiment with, you know, the web design, web development, creating blogs, uh, doing product photography for them, creating funnels. And the one thing that I was really excited about was Facebook ads. And that's how it all started from there. And what, what Abraham Hicks said was just follow your intuition and follow what excites you. I could not have planned this. There was like all the years that I spent planning. I'm, I just look back and I'm just like, funny enough, what I wanted came unplanned. <laughs> so it's, I'm going to be careful here because I don't want to misparaphrase you here. But I, as I hear you say that, it sounds to me like skill is valuable. Intellect is valuable. Um, strategy is valuable. There's a place for these things, but they have to come after your instincts after, I mean, if we even want to talk about energy, after, after following your intuition and following your knowing and, and having a real sense of being in the right spot rather than using your logic in the beginning to talk yourself into what you think other people would want you to say and then trying to follow instinct on top of that because it's on a house of cards rather than a solid foundation. 100%. That's it. Isn't it so counterintuitive? And yeah. yet what I've found as I built businesses is that what works are actually all the stuff that is counterintuitive. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, you know, it's so funny to hear you say that because I couldn't agree more. And I think when people hear that, they're, they're totally on board, but then it becomes a thing where it's so easy to second guess yourself. It's like, okay, well, which counterintuitive thing do I do? And how do I even know when I'm following my knowing or whether I'm just following an old program without realizing it? Did you yeah. struggle with that when you were trying to get this going? No, I struggled with that um, once it got going. Mm, so okay. that's when I, I encountered, I encountered sort of like um, this, I went through a, a period of about two and a half months over the summer where I, I went through a, like an analysis paralysis, which was like, oh my gosh, what's the next right step out of a series of paths? Um, and uh, as a result, um, I went through like a, a paralysis phase. Um, uh, even though we generated 1.1 mil in 16 months, our revenue flatlined. Um, mm. We were just making the same month over month because I could not make decisions. And, um, and that's, that's just another segue into an interesting topic about how I got out of that. But it's something that no matter how smart of an entrepreneur you are, how insightful, after scaling uh, and working with so many business owners and scaling businesses from the bottom, from the ground up, just like we did with the agency, um, everybody encounters this, this like period of like per analysis paralysis, not knowing what to do next, what's the right decision and sort of like trying to control the whole thing and how things are happening. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I hear about you speaking of that. Uh, I listen very carefully. It sounds to me like you're speaking of it as in past tense, as in you've yeah. passed that and you're no longer there. So for those who probably their next question is like, Andrew, ask her, what's her advice then if I'm experiencing the same thing? Like, what would you say to someone else who has plateaued and they want to figure out a way to get past that? Yeah, well, let's first talk about sort of like the disease itself to differentiate that from the symptoms, right? Mm. Um, the disease itself is really, a lot of people get into analysis paralysis because um, they don't know what the next right step is for them. And they're um, hearing from different sources. This could be their team members, it could be their spouse, it could be 
you know, somebody that you really trust or a mentor that is proposing to you to go into uh, a, a direction, yet you, you just don't know if that's the right choice. And um, the reality is um, that you really just, I found the formula. You just need to design really cheap tests. Um, so if you feel like <clears throat> intuitively, or for example, you think that X is the right way to go, um, design a really cheap test to figure out if that is the actual right path. Um, and that really comes from your own creativity or that's the kind of questions that you actually need to ask other people whose brain, you want other people's brains to solve these sort of problems with you. Mm -hmm. But the reality is that when you're building a business or when you're starting anything, um, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fail. You're not going to know everything. Um, and you're not going to, the likelihood of you making the right decision at every single turning point is low. <laughs> That's why most businesses fail. So you have to design really cheap tests that if it, if it fails, that it, you're still profitable, that you're, it's not going to knock you over. Um, really in the, your first year of business, you're just surviving. You know, you just need to, uh, well, we emphasize on bootstrapping. So, you know, we've never taken a loan out. We've never raised money. And uh, the businesses that we scale um, in the e-commerce realm, they all bootstrap too. So we teach them how to grow their top line revenues uh, profitably. Mm -hmm. So, uh, so and, and part of that, so this is not just an agency thing. This is something that we do for the, the uh, businesses that we work with over and over again. The formula really is design very cheap tests, know exactly how much you have to spend in order to find out what the answer is. Ask yourself, okay, it, can, I, can I afford to lose that? And it won't knock me over. It won't kill the business or it won't kill whatever if, if it doesn't work out. And if the answer is no, it won't, you, you won't go for it then execute really fast like mm -hmm. just find out the answer as fast as as possible and it really is the the business cliche of failing fast is experientially now true intellectually i understood it but now experientially i'm like oh my god yes that's so true right <laughs> you know it's it's interesting that that answer it sounds wonderful for when you're in the middle of a business but it also sounds wonderful if you're starting a business Try yeah. to find a way to fail fast then. Like for example, if you've got an idea for a funnel and you know it's gonna require daily emails, write emails every day for three days to make sure you're not gonna burn yourself out before you've spent any money. Yeah, exactly. Before awesome. you even go out and try to find customers and you know go through this like three month long trajectory, um, just, just do small tests and then record your results of the test and then just improve and iterate. Um, and the key thing too, is that don't, don't roam in the failure if it didn't work out. Um, this is the 100% the key to success is a lot of people sort of spend too much time in uh, thinking like, man, I suck. Why did I suck at it? Like, what did I miss? You know, and just sort of asking these um, in retrospect questions, but really you just have to continuously iterate and redesign mm -hmm. solutions to the challenges. Yeah. And remember that, you know, 99.9% .9 of the things that you see out there that are successful were not in that form on day one. They had to grow into that and evolve and morph. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm looking as we're speaking right now, I kind of 
uh, took out key pieces from that Facebook post that you did. It's probably last mm -hmm. week. I remember it just blew me away. And one thing that really stuck out for me is you said nothing, um, nothing prepares you for the things that no one talks about, the real hard things, because the hard thing isn't dreaming big. It's not being able to sleep when your dreams turn into a nightmare because you didn't predict the thing that mm -hmm. turned into a nightmare, which to me, it sounds like, you know, careful what you wish for, because what you think it might be is actually way harder to manage if you don't know what to expect. Yeah. <laughs> we, and we actually give this as a warning to the business founders that we work with. Um, you know, when they first come to us, they're relatively small. They're making somewhere between 10 to 50K per month, right? Mm -hmm. um, in their e-commerce business. And, you know, whatever their next goal is, let's just say they're making, uh, one of the initial businesses that we work with, he was only doing about 3,000 per month. And his magic goal was like, I, he dreamed of making 10,000 per month because that means that he was three xing from where he was at. Mm -hmm. And I would tell him, I said, you know, I know that it seems so amazing to get to 10 K per month, but just know that you're trading one set of problems for another, like the problems don't go away. They just evolve. And so really, if you're going to love this journey, love problem solving. Mm -hmm. <laughs> And be aware that, you know, that that new problem and that new level of, of magnitude, that's a new infrastructure. Do you have the infrastructure to handle that, whether it's exactly. digital or whether there's there's inventory or whatever it is? Have you actually thought about the process of fulfilling $10,000 in business? 100%. Yeah, exactly. And then the, the next set of problems then becomes, how do I fund this new round of inventory? Mm -hmm. um, it, it, it only, it only gets more, uh, uh, you just level up your self. The challenges just become more challenging. And as a result, you, <clears throat> you, you're constantly stress testing your ability and your potential and your quality of your thinking and your approach to things. So self-managing is uh, really, really important, knowing how to self-manage because of the fact that so many unexpected things are going to happen. And uh, yeah. Yeah. Right. And you, you hit on something really important there, self-management, because <laughs> it's, I mean, we're getting to a whole different area here. And I know, don't even know your feelings on this, but I think there's something you said about eating right and working out, like taking time to work out and take care of your body so that you have the energy and the fuel to run your yeah. business in a certain way versus just working harder and harder and longer and longer and burning yourself out and not having the ability to actually think clearly and make good decisions and come from a new energetic space. Uh, yeah, 100%. Um, it, to manage your energy, I think is what you're um, sort of touching on is one of the, um, if you are a high performer, which doesn't mean a marathon performer, it means getting the most done in the least amount of time um, at your peak energy levels. Yeah, uh, self-managing and always, that's your quality of your thinking, that's your time, that's your thoughts, that's your mood, that's your body what you eat and, you know, um, all of that is, is really important. And really that's the journey. I feel like the journey is really just self, self evolving. Um, mm -hmm. it's a self evolution, um, and doing it with a group of other people that you're co-making with. Understood. Understood. So other questions are popping into my head as we speak here, obviously that's just who I am. Um, <laughs> the one, the one that I still had left just based on the notes of, of what you had in that post is, uh, you talked about that you've decided that you want to spend, your finite resource of time with only what you called no matter what people. And I really just want to ask you, 
I mean, it's kind of obvious, but I want to ask you to give it your, your definition of no matter what people and, and what made you made that decision and how you kind of spot that in others. Oh my gosh, this is such a touchy subject for me because I was so broke for so long and not only broke, but one of the sort of like um, inner struggles for me to overcome was, you know, I'm estranged from my parents, right? Um, which you briefly touched on. And I remember thinking like, gosh, those people who have like at least one parent to help them out, at least they have one. And, you know, like, I, I, I feel like I came from sort of like Phoenix rising from the ashes kind of thing. But when I was in the ash, it was really, really terrible, you know, um, when you're in the survival mode uh, place. And when I started achieving one success after the other and I started earning more money, I naturally gravitated to wanting to help other people. And the very first scenario where I had two of my best friends were unemployed, two of them. And they were unemployed for a while. It wasn't like for one month, you know, they were unemployed for like six months plus. And I remember when, you know, I needed a, uh, an assistant. So then I would hire them just to help them out. And, um, and that's just one example of how much I wanted to give other people opportunity who I felt like were in just a similar destitute position as I was. And what I learned through trying to help other people was I couldn't help them until unless they actually wanted it because I wanted it more for them than they wanted it for themselves. And, you know, there's a difference between when somebody says, I want to have this life, right? And then the major difference is whether they actually act on it. And I found that I met a lot more people who wanted it, but who didn't really act on it. And, you know, David is and I, who David is, is um, one of my high performers in the agency. He brings in a, a, a ton of value into the business and he's my boyfriend. Um, we both, you know, naturally had this empathy for other people where we would extend ourselves and give people free information and, you know, like, basically just tell people exactly how we were doing it through our private Facebook group. And we found that a lot of people just wanted us to give them the answers. Like they didn't want to think for themselves. They didn't want to do the, the hard work or the sacrifice. Mm -hmm. um, and, um, and that was, you know, disappointing. And I think after, I think, gosh, like a dozen experiences of this now, I finally learned, you know what? Successful people are going to be successful no matter what, no matter if they were, if they're, if they're counting beans, like I was literally, I had a spreadsheet of how long a can of beans and rice would, would feed me for over a period of like, whatever, a month's worth of groceries at whatever, 50 bucks. Um, or they never experienced that. They're going to be successful no matter what, because they want it so much that they're going to make the adjustments. They're going to iterate. They're going to just keep going. Mm -hmm. And, um, and, and, you know, we all have the same finite source of resource, which is time. We all have only 24 hours. And um, now that we're, we have leveled up, 
you know, we really want to partner with just people who are the no matter what. They're going to be successful no matter what, whether we exist or not, whether we have this platform or not. They're going to they're going to figure out how to make it work. Our platform is just a, an accelerator, you know, mm-hmm. um, that's how we see it. And that's why e-courses, for example, um, you'll find that there are people who act on that information and then there are people that won't. The majority of people won't act on it. Mm-hmm. Um and and that's really what what determines the success you know i love it so yeah awesome um so in that last response uh one thing i want to ask you about you mentioned partnering with people that are no matter what type of people and we talked about a little bit but i want to get a little bit more clarity just for people listening what your company does specifically because is it facebook ads in particular are there other pieces i just love to hear what you guys do exactly with the right kind of partner Oh gosh, we are at the heart of things. Um, we scale e-commerce businesses profitably and quickly. We The initial catalyst for that is Facebook ads, which 50% of that is media buying and the other 50% of that are creating the creatives, video ads, for example, that generate the profitable acquisition cost for driving top line revenue growth, basically getting new customers into the business at a profitable rate. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the initial catalyst, but we work on the entire funnel. We, there's the three foundations of scaling an e-commerce business profitably. Obviously there's your media buying, then there's your email marketing, and there's your um, conversion rate optimization, which is, uh, let's say, 1% of your traffic uh, per month converts. We'll increase that to 2%, to 3%, all the way up to 5% is our track record. And, and those are just the other, you know, this, the CRO and the email marketing is really just additional strategies to stretch that dollar of your ad spend. Because you'll spend the same, let's say it takes you um, $10,000 per month um, to generate 30,000. If you work on your email marketing and your CRO, that 10,000 will then become 40,000. Um, right. if you optimize those other, um, those other strategies real well. So, um, we are a full funnel done for you, um, agency and for specifically for e-commerce businesses. Um, and we were there, uh, we were there for a while, but now we're opening up to doing just media buying and creatives because not all of the businesses are ready for scaling really fast. Mm -hmm. They don't have the proper supply chain. Um, They don't have the proper distribution channel, you know, to like shipping. I mean, there's just like so many things have to be right in order for a business to be ready to do, you know, 30,000 a year to 4 million a year, which is essentially our track record. That's, that's what we're doing for the e-commerce businesses that we're doing all the done for you's. Um, cool. But yeah. So I'll obviously be putting this on the page that's specifically devoted to this interview. But if someone wants to reach out to you and they want to connect and see if you guys would make a good partnership, where should they go? Well, they're going to go to sugaton.io slash application. Um, we, um, We'd like for them to first apply and get to know uh, who they are, what their business is. Um, we're very selective with who we decide to partner with. Um, so we we have like about a 
15% acceptance rate currently. Um, and that's really because we want to stay boutique. We want to stay working with the quality businesses that we feel like have a great potential to become big businesses. Um, so Subatan, S-U-G-A-T-A-N dot I-O slash application. And if you get accepted in, then you'll start hearing from us. Awesome. Cool. So one more question I have that I want to run by you and uh, it's specific to you. I always ask a rendition of this to most people, but you know, given the fact that we're on this 16 month journey and counting, uh, if you can travel in time back to that Chris who had $300 to her name and was just getting started and you know the road ahead and you know how hard it's going to be and you know the worst speed bumps, you know all, everything, what advice would you give her that you think would be the most important, the, the, mo the most leveraged that could really create the least pain and the quickest result possible to get where you are now and beyond? Um, get past, Chris, get past your own ego. Don't worry that you have the right answer and it came from you. Just worry that it's the right answer and bring as many brains into it as fast as possible. Iterate and fail really quickly. And I, you know what, if we would have done that, we, I'm no joke, I think we would have done 1.75 mil mm. in 16 months. I'm not even joking. If I would have known that, I probably would have generated another, another that much revenue if I just got out of my own way. Got it. Everyone yeah. out there listening, use Chris's advice that she was going to give it to herself. Obviously, it's high value. And Chris, quick little <laughs> personal note. Again, this is our second conversation ever. And I remember the first one, um, you made an impression on me and it was very clear that that you were so sharp, but it was also so much loud music. And, you know, like we were at, it, it was, it was, it was a, it was a networking event. Yeah. It was networking, it was a lot of me, like, you know, it was a, it was a lot going on. Um, it's wonderful just on a personal to talk to you like this because I can hear a lot more of um, just the genuine humanness of you based on this conversation that I didn't have that opportunity before. So this is one of the things I'm grateful for with this podcast to meet people and to connect with people and deepen relationships with people based on that. So thank you so much for coming on today, for sharing your awesome insights and advice with my listeners. I really do appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me and for giving the value that you do give and really the magic happens when you act on the information that you're listening to. So if any of, of, if any of the material resonates with you, whether it's this one or anyone that you hear, um, just act on it and don't worry, don't overanalyze it, just do it and then just do it quickly, find out and then just move on to the next thing. Chris, you took the words right out of my mouth. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks so much again to Chris Sugaton for that awesome interview. And guys, that's another episode in the can. As always, if you haven't done so already, now would be a great time to pull out that phone, hit that subscribe button. And if you haven't done so already, leave a quick, honest written review. Let me know what you think of the show's content. Let me know what your most important takeaways were from this interview. And let me know what you'd like to hear about in the future. With that said, I am out, but I will catch you guys next time. Have a kick-ass week. Thank you for listening to Shatter the Mold at www.shatterthemoldpodcast.com. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan. My name is Andrew S. Kaplan, and it's time to shatter the mold.